just look up, tomorrow's sun will let you know your life's not done. Just look around, love's pouring down. Trust in God. That's a sermon in and of itself. You got all the word you need to carry with you right there. There are so many of us who think that the pain that we are in now, that the pain of your present is actually your future. And I'm here to let you know that that's a lie from the enemy. Just look towards tomorrow's sun and it will let you know that your life's not done. Let's give the Lord praise for this excellent music department on this morning. For the men, amen. You all have already ministered to me on today. Well, giving honor to God, let's praise the Lord for our pastor and our leader on today. Let's praise the Lord for First Lady May. Amen. And for the rest of my beautiful family right there, let's also praise the Lord for Elder Aaron Bankhead and Elder John Patton. They brought us in on this morning. And you may be seated. Amen. I also want to praise the Lord for that word from Sister Beverly on this morning. Where is she at? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I whispered to her that she's going to have to get ready to preach us a whole message one day. Amen. And there is never a time that I get up before the people that I myself am not wondering what I'm going to say. And what does the Lord have to say through with me? So just like you, I try to spend as much time as I can in front of that burning bush right there next to you. Amen. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord on today. Give yourselves a hand on this morning. It just occurred to me that how strange a thing it is to be speaking to a room full of mass individuals on this morning, amen. I can see your beautiful eyes, amen, but this is way out. If somebody can yell anything out, I wouldn't know who said that, amen. But I know that the spirit is a thing of order, is a spirit of order, and we're going to behave ourselves on today. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Well, beloved, let's go straight into the word, shall we? Elder Patton so ably read our scripture on today out of Revelation 3 and 12. It reads, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. Now, while keeping our social distancing parameters in mind, please look at your neighbor and ask them, what is your name? What is your name? Now, everyone and everything that is known has a name. 
Everything in existence is called something, and that something it is called is called its name. The word name is one of 150 words in the English language that can be used both as a noun and a verb. As a name, a name is as a noun, excuse me, a name is a title, a description of an individual or a thing, that by which an individual or a thing is known, its name. It is a means of distinguishing an individual or a thing from another individual or thing. It is the first and chief vehicle by which we all are known, our name. When you first notice someone that catches your eye or your interest, or you want, and you want to get to know more about that someone, the first thing you're going to have to ask is its name. What is your name? Or down south, they used to say, what your name is. <laughs> but as a verb, the word name can be used to, one, give name to something, to name a baby or a comet or something else that was previously up to that time undiscovered. It can be used, to, as a two, it can be used to acknowledge something. He was named man of the year, or she was named woman of the year, or they were named employee of the year. Number three, it can be used to accused, as in he was named as the chief suspect of the investigation. Now, my friends, there are three places that we get our names from. Number one is the names that we were given at birth. For example, my name is Charles Edward Blake II. My father, Charles Edward Blake Sr., was named so because of the intense respect and admiration that my grandfather, Junius Augustus Blake had for the founder of this great church of God in Christ, Charles Harrison Mason. My middle name, Edward, was the middle name of my great-grandfather, Eason Edward Blake. Needless to say, I love my name. Amen. Some people don't like their name, but... I love my name. When, well, when Bishop and Lady May, or back then Elder Charles Blake and Lady May Blake first moved out here, I had just been born. So every year that he pastors is, as of my, his anniversary is a year of my name. That's how I always know how many years Bishop has been pastoring West Angeles. <laughs> but I had just been born, and I know that Lady May and Lady May will tell you how much of a blessing that the late elder Marion Green and sister Celestine Green were as they tried to get acclimated not only to a new church, but to a new city and a new home. Amen. I know that their adopted daughter, sister Deborah Fredericks, is here in the house on the daily. Somebody, Deborah, if you're around here, wave to me right quick. Amen. Sister Deborah Fredericks has known me all my life, and 
She never ceases to let me know. Amen. Praise the Lord. But, but so, more, so more than often or not, Sister Green, Celestine Green, would be babysitting me and my sister, Kimberly. Well, Sister Celestine Green thought that I was much too small and too cute to be a Charles. So she started calling me Chucky. And for some ungodly, wicked reason, the name stuck. Even though I have not been that small or that cute for a very, 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 very long time. <laughs> I once asked my father if anyone ever called him Chucky or Chuck, and he was like, no. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> But I will continue to stay in fervent prayer for those of you who have not yet accepted the love of the Lord and keep on calling me Chucky. <laughs> but that leads me to the next place that we get our names from. And these are two the names that life, experience, and the world give us. These names come from the roles that we play. And in my name, they would be today father, husband, son, brother, assistant pastor, elder, etc., etc. As well as the names that our actions and experiences have given us. Now, mixed in with these are the names that the world has tried to name us based on our sins and our mistakes and other painful or traumatic events or experiences in our lives. For example, Doubting Thomas doubted one time 2,000 years ago, and ever since then, we've been calling him Doubting Thomas. Nowadays, doubt or skepticism is a part of our culture and our worldview. We could actually see a miracle out there and some of us, even in the church, would have to wonder, where, where are the strings? What's really going on here? Some of us in here have doubted God two times this morning. We doubt God every day that we worry about something. And every day we let anxiety rack our thoughts, but I digress. Let me get back to the subject. Sometimes our conditions name us. For example... Blind Bartimaeus, who even though he was healed and given his sight, is still called by us in history, Blind Bartimaeus. The woman with the issue of blood is still to this day is known as the woman with the issue of blood, even though her faith made her whole. History doesn't even know her name. But she has been named by her condition. And it's funny because we don't call Jesus' good friend Lazarus dead Lazarus. We just call him Lazarus. Although I think some of us have called him Lazarus who was raised from the dead. So like the woman with the issue of blood and blind Bartimaeus and Lazarus who was raised from the dead, we are sometimes known by our condition. But these are the names that life, 
experience and the world have given us. Now, what are some of the names or titles that the world may have tried to use to identify you and us in the past? What are some of the names that people have tried to tell you who you were? What are some of the more hurtful names that we've even used to describe ourselves based on what we've done in the past? Useless, addict, murderer, loser, failure, fat, ugly, ghetto or ratchet, stupid, weak, scared, coward, inferior, victim, lonely. Have you ever called yourself undesirable? Have you ever seen yourself as unlovable? Has worthless ever been your name? Thief, whore, alcoholic, criminal, convict? Has anyone ever called you inadequate? Unworthy, dog, nigger. Any name or title that you have been called that has hurt you, that has lessened you, any name or title that has reduced you, diminished you, is a name that the devil seeks to name you. And we're going to speak out against that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus today. And it's so sad because many of us have lived most of our existence under these names. We've let these names condition us into thinking and living a certain way to the point that no matter what good thing happens to us, no matter how God blesses us, we are so locked into that perspective, that name, that way of seeing things and seeing life that we do not let ourselves think of the possibilities of what God can do for and through us. What is your name? We've let these names define and confine us, and we wonder why things don't seem to work out for us. Why do certain things always seem to happen to us? Why do we always find ourselves in the same place, never able to move forward? Why can't we rise to something higher in life? Well, my brother, my sister, it's because we don't know who we really are. Amen. We don't know how God, our Father, really sees us. And although we all have names that we were given when we were born, life has given us other names. And we live life so long under these names that we don't know what it really means to actually be born again. Or in this case, for this word, we don't really know what it means to be who God has named us to be. Oh, if y'all are still with me, somebody give the Lord a praise on out there today. It's hard for me to see who's awake under those masks. Amen. 
<laughs> but we use the verse, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature as a cliche without really knowing what it means. We don't really know what it means to put off the old man or what life has named you. And even though you, be, may, you may be saved and forgiven, you still find yourself at times acting like and thinking like who you were, who life's experiences have told you that you were, and acting in that paradigm that the world and the devil gave to you, that name you used to be. Now, in order to name something or someone, you have to have ownership of it. You have to have dominion over that thing which you've named. For example, Adam was given the task of naming all of the animals and trees and things of the earth because he was given dominion over them. We give our children their names because we have dominion over them, and no one else has that right. Now, in some cases, there have been times when life, uh, when, in life, when dominion or authority has been taken by force, and the name that you are given was forcibly changed. We know them by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but those were not their original names. Hmm. Their real names were something completely different. But it was through the conquering of Israel by the Babylonians that their names were changed. If you look at Daniel 1 and 7, it says, To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, he gave the name Meshach, and to Azariah, he gave the name Abednego. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were actually Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It reminds me of that scene in Roots. Y'all remember Roots? Who's out there old enough to remember Roots? Amen. Y'all remember, right? Well, it reminds me of that scene when Kunta Kente was named Toby. And he refused to answer to that name that was forced on him by his slave masters. I was very little at the time, but those of us that remember seeing that scene will remember the anger, the rage, and the pain that we all felt as we watch the proud Kunta Kente that symbolized all of us as black folk being beaten into submission and brokenness by his circumstances. And so with that, life itself conspires to name us sometimes. And most of the time, that name is different, and the implication of that name is much lower than the who we really are, which leads me to my next point. Y'all can write these down, amen, is that we should never allow any condition, force, or person to name or define us. Oh, I'm going to say it again. We should never allow any condition, 
force or person to name us. We could go to Daniel 1 and 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested that the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We see through the rest of the account that although Nebuchadnezzar gave Daniel and the three Hebrew, Hebrew boys new names, he could not change who they were. You have to purpose in your heart not to allow any condition, force, or person to name or define you. Oh, you can post right there. You can, you can post that. You have to purpose in your heart not to allow any condition, force, or person to define you. Oh, somebody say amen in here on today. <laughs> Most of us know or even have even prayed the prayer of my good man, Jabez. The prayer of Jabez. Where in 1 Chronicles 4 and 10, it reads... Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. But beloved, if you read into the scripture, you'll see that we have missed part of the point today. You see, the heart of the matter is that Jabez's name means sorrow. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bared him with sorrow. With sorrow. The name Jabez implies sorrow, but through his prayer and admonition to God Almighty, he changed the meaning and implication of his name so that now Jabez, at least in this case, is one of prosperity. Through calling on God, Jabez was able to change the implications of the name that he had been given from one thing, sadness, to another. Prosperity. And with that in mind, I'm going to pray the prayer of Jabez. I'm praying it all the time. Amen. Now, another key point is that now only God has ultimate authority to name you. Look at your neighbor and say, only God has ultimate authority to name you. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell within. In Jeremiah 1 and 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you and named you. I named you prophet to the nation. So only God has true dominion over us ultimately to tell us who and what we are. Now for point three, one of the main things that we have to remember is that God has and does change our names. It's how he can write on you his new name. 
God changed the names of people in the Bible when he was instituting a new covenant or what I like to call a profound identity change in a person's life. He changed Abram's name to Abraham. In Genesis 17 and 5, he says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. He changed Sarai's name to Sarah. As for your wife, you must no longer call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her and give you a son through her. I will bless her and she will become a mother of nations. Kings of countries will come from her. He changed Brother Jacob's name to Israel. He changed Simon's name to Peter. In Matthew 16, 17, and 18, and Jesus said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give the Lord praise that he changes your name. <laughs> You'll see that all of these name changes in the Bible accompanied a change in the way that God wished for these individuals to see themselves. Not only did God change their names, he changed their identities, who they thought they were. That's like witness protection and never leaving where you were in the first place. He changed their names when he was starting or renewing a covenant with them. I'm not talking about the names that our parents give us, but the names, titles, and perceptions that life and the world that our actions have given us. We speak now to the names and labels that our experiences and backgrounds have given us. We are speaking to those people and experience that had the largest and longest lasting and most painful effects on us. Amen. Well, we can, point four is we can, with God's help, Choose what and who we're to be. Now, beloved, the true struggle now is between you that the world has named you and the you who God has named you and your identity in him. The world and the devil have conspired to take dominion over you and rename you something that will keep you bound and in bondage. In many cases, we've unwittingly given dominion to that which has sought to name us and didn't even know, but we've given others in situations the power to tell us who we are. I walked around being so ashamed of who I was just because somebody in eighth grade called me goofy. So I walked around most of my young life thinking that I was a goober or thinking I was one thing or another, thinking that I was unattractive. 
Some of the names that the world has given us through short-sightedness and selfishness are the pain has been given us through the pain of those who sought to name us, and they were just naming you something because they felt that that's what they really were. They were trying to tear you down to bring you to where they were because misery loves company, does it not? But because he honored and prayed to the Lord, Jabez was able to change the perspective and implications of his name. Life had attempted to rename Daniel and his friends, but they refused to be defined and identified by the system that the world had sought to rename them. You may have had to say Toby with your lips, but in your heart, always be and say, Kutakente. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. I see all of us in our cars today are driving home saying, I am Kutakente. <laughs> now, the only aspect that hinders this profound identity change is when we fail to see through the eyes of this new creation that we have been made into. Even though God may rename us and take us through this identity change, the real struggle is in living every day in this new identity, the new name, the new creatureness that we have been given. That old identity, that, that old name will seek to reassert itself at every opportunity. Every time that we are faced with a situation that may cause us stress or fear and uncertainty or every situation that may cause us even overconfidence or intense pleasure, that old identity, that old name will seek to raise its head. For example, say you worked at a fast food restaurant. I know some friends who've done this, but they used to work the fry counter. They worked very hard one day. They worked very hard through that time, and they eventually got to became, become manager of that branch. Now, as a manager, you deal with completely different problems and situations that you did when you worked the fry machine. But when the stresses of management would get to the folks sometime and get to my friend, they would find themselves going back to that fry machine just to calm their nerves and work things out. They were going back to who they were when they were dealing with that. That just came from out of nowhere, man. It wasn't in my notes. I'm going to keep it moving. Praise the Lord. But I think y'all know what I'm talking about. But every time that you are faced with a situation that causes stress, fear, or anxiety, that old name will seek to raise its head. We must always be watchful that that old identity, that old way of seeing things, that old way of thinking about things doesn't creep back up into your heart. Some people will call to, will try to call you Chucky, I mean, excuse me, by your old name to remind you of who you used to be. <clears throat> They'll want everybody around that they knew you way back when. So to make sure that you don't fly too high or to make sure that they make themselves feel better, they will call you by your old name or they will refer to you through your old condition. What they don't realize is that they are saying more about themselves than they are saying about you. 
They're saying that it is they themselves that cannot grow or move forward with where God is moving you to. But when they try to call you by that old name, you just keep on pushing in that new name. You just keep on moving and walking in that new identity that God has called you to. Just be like, pardon my back. I don't mean to be mean. Amen. But my friends, how do we live in this newness of life? We live in this newness of life by being in relationship with he who named us first. It was once said by the late great Miles Monroe that if you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't, you need, I mean, you need to ask its maker. Because if you don't know the proper use of a thing, you will abnormally use it or you will abuse it or you will abuse it. You will misname it. The world didn't know who and what you really were, so it abused you and it gave you the wrong name. But you find out who you really are. You find out what your name really is by asking your maker. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I named you a prophet to the nations. And so these names and identities which the world and the devil try to name you will always seek to assert themselves and they will always scream out from the back of your mind and your memories and regrets. Your name may have been fornicator. Your name might have been adulterer. Your name might have been thief or extortioner. Life may have named you drunkard. Life may have named you addict, but the word says that you were washed. It says that you were sanctified. It said that you were justified. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. You were justified in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And as we come to a close, these are the most important things that you should keep in your heart. The first is whatever your name is or has been, you by your behavior and your heart can give that name new meaning and new reputation. That's why when I've seen some of the 12-step programs, my name is so-and-so and I am an alcoholic. They have taken that name of what they were and now they start to give it new meaning as if to say I was an alcoholic. I was an addict. Now the second thing is that whatever the world, the devil, and anyone else that has tried to hurt you, whatever they have called you, that is not the most important thing, but rather what God calls you. What God named you, that is the most important thing. Which brings us to the most important point and place that we get our names from. The names that God has given us. 
the names that he has given us based on his love for us, how he sees us, and most obviously, the word. Amen. But what has God named us? Who are you really? Each of us here has been named by God. Each of us online that is logged on today, and I praise the Lord for you, you have been named by God. Amen. Before life and people ever tried to name you, God had already given you your name. He says that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I need for somebody to drill that scripture into their mind and into their heart when life tries to get at you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. God wishes to take all of us through that profound identity change on this morning. Amen. Back to who we were in him before the foundation of the world, before he formed us in our mother's womb. Oh, let somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Now, what are some of the names that God calls us? Who has God said that we are? What is the name that God writes on them that overcome? Because our text said, I will write my name on them that overcome. That are the pillars that his church, this church, is built on. Now, Jesus spoke the words of our text to a faithful church that was under attack by the world that was trying to persecute them, a world that was telling them that they were less than who they really are. I know that the world may have tried to name you one thing, but your name is actually blessed. Amen. You can write that one down. That's one of your names. Your name is forgiven. You are sons and daughters of God. Your name is victorious. Our names are more than conquerors, overcomers, salt of the earth. Your name is healed from sickness. Your name is free. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are washed. You are saved. Your name is redeemed. Your name is sanctified. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. I know that we preach life and preach life eternal after death, but in being a new creature while yet still on earth, we are talking about being alive in a way that we could not imagine. We are talking about a new identity, a new existence in Christ. And if any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, they are a new creature, old things, old names have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Oh, give the Lord praise on today. Somebody say hallelujah. We live in this newness of life by renewing our minds and through our thoughts daily. By daily praying and meditating on the word and by meditating on the real name that God has given you. You live in this newness by coming into relationship with God and finding out who you really are in him. 
and not letting anyone or anything make you act or call you out of your name. I'll say it again, don't let anybody, any circumstance, call you out of your name. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Uh, play softly, my brothers. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Somebody give him praise on today. Hallelujah. Now Jesus came. Everyone standing. Jesus came. He died and he rose from the dead so that we could rise above the name and the identity that people and the world attempted to give us and to be able to live in the existence and the name that God, our maker who loves us, has given us. Your name may have been fornicator. Your name may have been adulterer. Your name may have been thief. Life may have dubbed you drunkard, addict, convict, whore, murderer. Life may have named you so many hurtful, diminutive things, but you were. Your name can be washed. Your name can be sanctified. Your name can be justified in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. Give your life to him, beloved. Let him show you who you really are. Introduce yourself to him so he can introduce you to yourself. You'll say, hi, my name is, and he'll go, pleased to meet you. Now your name is really, this is who you really are. He will tell you what your name really is. Give your life, give yourself to him today. My brother, my sister online, give yourself to him today. God bless you, and we love you.